You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. Each week, I speak with industry leaders around issues that inform and advance financial advice, wealth management, retirement, and technology. I talk with those who are leading the way as we seek to help advisors, clients, participants, and firms enjoy better financial outcomes all around the confluence of digital and human advice. I think it's common understanding of the central role financial planning plays in helping advisors and investors achieve better outcomes in the face of a tidal wave of people retiring. Of course, the earlier the better on the planning front, but it's never too late. Today, we will have a conversation with someone who has done more around financial planning than just about anyone I can think of. Frank McAleer is Senior Vice President of Wealth Planning at Raymond James. Frank, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Jack, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be part of your lineup. It's an, I've been following it. It's, a, it's an esteemed lineup. I'm really honored to be part of it. Thank you. I'm honored that you're honored. So thanks. <laughs> it's great to have you on board. Frank, let's start with you telling our audience about your role at Raymond James. You cover a lot of ground around planning, longevity, and a whole lot more retirement. So uh, tell us more. Yeah, Jack, I and we, our team, we do cover a lot of ground. And going back to your initial comments, it really does revolve around planning. We're not product focused at all. It's all about planning. Best way for me to describe it is to, I have found, just walk you through the different components of our team. And I'll start with the level of complexity. Theoretically, we have 65 associates all together, and we have a team of software support analysts that really their job is react all day to calls coming in about our financial planning software. Our enterprise solution is Money Guide Pro, which we call GPM, which stands for Goal Planning and Monitoring. So we have a team that takes calls all day from the simplest to the most complex calls. Beyond them and backing them up, we have a team of what we call uh, financial planning consultants. They're all CFPs. It's about 10 or 11 uh, financial planners that take one-off financial planning questions, calls. A lot of them are, revolve around the evergreen topics of Medicare, Social Security. And also, uh, when you get into a really, really complex GPM plan, again, that's goal planning and monitoring, they can jump in and really help the advisor with more uh, complex techniques in the software. And then beyond that, we have a team of wealth consultants. And I would say our wealth consultants are the key component of wealth planning. Our wealth consultants are older financial planners, more experienced. They are they're all CFPs. They have more designations. And their job is really to get involved in high net worth, what we call cases, high net worth cases and ultra high net worth cases. A lot of times it's event driven. And our claim to fame, if you will, within Raymond James, our wealth consultants are responsible for pulling it all together for an advisor. As you know, for many advisors, you could manage money for clients for years and all of a sudden client sells a business for $100 million. Now what do I do? You have a whole new set of items and issues to contend with. And it's overwhelming for an advisor. And that's not derogatory. It just is. Like, how do I pull it all together? How do I garner the resources within Raymond James? And that's what our wealth consultants do. We work with the advisor and the client to analyze the situation. And then our wealth consultants not only help with the planning aspect, but we pull in the various resources, whether it's Raymond James Bank, or whether it's the Raymond James Trust Company, or whether it's Alternative Asset Management Group. And we also there's also two other teams within wealth planning they can pull into it. Our wealth consultants can pull in any of our wealth strategists, which are attorneys, to help with the state and trust and tax strategy. And we also have a team of portfolio consultants that could pull into a case if it involves analyzing what a portfolio looks like today, 
from a risk and performance standpoint versus what we think it should like moving forward. So, and we actually monitor the cases. We track the number of cases we do. We track the assets involved internally and externally. And we actually track the net new asset result, which I'm happy to report is very, very positive from working with us for case management. It always results in net new assets for obvious reasons. You're exposing your client to so much more that Raymond James has to offer. It's a great way to retain the client. It's a great way to gain greater share of wallet, offer more services to the client, and also retain assets. And one more aspect, which you and I have talked a lot about lately and is gaining in popularity, is our longevity planning component of wealth planning. We started that, I would say, seven or eight years ago. And we really started it based upon meeting uh, Dr. Joe Coughlin from the MITH lab uh, via one of our uh, mutual fund partners. And I'll save some of that for later, but that really spawned a whole new area of planning and expertise that we've had to develop internally to help clients with what we call longevity planning, which, as you know, has a lot of different meanings. We get into that as well. Basically, your planning team has a variety of segments. There's the the attorneys that help on wills and trusts and all that goes, estate planning, all that kind of stuff. You've got folks that you can tap into around portfolio management and how to put together a portfolio. You got folks that deal with longevity issues. You got folks that are dealing with just the pure planning issues or business transition issues, sale mm-hmm. of a business, yeah, what do you do with proceeds, all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty – so you were kind of a, a coach of the coaches, yes. coach of the quarterback, so to speak, of the financial advisors, the quarterback. You guys are the, the group of coaches like in football that are each have a specialty but are there to, to assist the, the quarterback, the advisor. We're actually part of an advisor's team. In fact, when we were presenting wealth planning more and more to create more awareness about what we do – this is pre-COVID. We were calling ourselves your virtual team. We were calling ourselves virtual before COVID gotcha. because we're all pretty much based in St. Petersburg. We're not a team that's traveling around doing presentations. We always have worked with the advisor hands-on virtually to help them put together good plans based upon whatever situation the client is in. And a lot of the time, it is, a lot of times, like you said, it is event-driven, business succession, sale of business. But a lot of times we say to advisors, look, if you're managing money for an ultra high net worth client, that's all you're doing. You should let our case consultants get involved with you, our wealth consultants, to analyze the entire client situation. Because there's probably a lot more that we have to offer for that client and that they need. And if you don't do it, someone will at some point. So from a competitive standpoint and an asset retention standpoint, don't wait for an event. You know, get on it now and make sure your clients know what you have to offer. You know, I'm, I'm speaking to everybody. I know everybody that we compete with has similar offerings. And I think it's really, really important that your clients do know that you do so much more than manage money. It sounds old hat, but there are still plenty of advisors managing money and not really aware of all the different services they can offer and how to do that. And that's not, again, it's not a negative remark. It's just the nature of the beast, but we're gaining ground each and every year. My sense is, first of all, planning in general is not taken advantage of anywhere like it could or should be. It's uh for some reason, advisors have a, a habit, shall we say, of doing business a certain way and planning seems to get in the way of that, some think. You seem to have more success than most. And I imagine that you're even having greater success in light of all the people that are retiring and businesses sold and people leaving work or you know, leaving yeah. their careers early just because of COVID or decisions to live a different life. So talk a little bit about that. How have you had the success you've had? How have you gotten the advisors to on the uptake? I'm assuming has something to do with what you mentioned earlier about net new assets, but fill us in as to how you've had the success you've had. If you look at 8,000 plus advisors, almost all of them 
have used GPM in some way, shape, or form. Now, we divide it into non-users, which is just one to five plans, light, moderate, and heavy. And ironically, it almost splits evenly, 2,000 each in all those categories, but it's really begun to shift to moderate, heavy users over the past two to three years. And uh, Raymond James has never been a firm that incents advisors in a special way to do planning. And we point out just what you've pointed out. It results in greater retention of assets and it results in net new assets. We have solid statistical proof of that. And it also identifies outside assets, right? That's a big part of it. If you look at, we've done, at the end of the year, we had done over 400,000 plans over time, implemented brand new plans. Each plan on average had about 1.3 million in liquid assets. 45% of all those assets are identified from the outside. So that's the incentive. And we educate as much as we can. Every conference that we go to, we have GPM sessions. And we also have our GPM team that I talked about before, our software support team. We have continual webinars, continual education on the topic. So Frank, that's great. Go a little bit deeper if you would. Again, you have seemed to have a higher penetration in terms of getting advisors on board. What do you find? What kind of gets them over the hump? Those that, is it an event? Is it a client that has a sale of a business? What is it that gets them going? And it also sounds like you have a little bit more of a support network for them than I hear from other firms, but fill us in on how that all works. Gets them to go on, on using our case consultants to do a case, you mean wealth consulting? Yeah. 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 Well, that's a question I even get from our executive team. Frank, why aren't more people using the wealth consulting team? Because the results are so fantastic. And As you know, and any listener knows, awareness is one of the biggest challenges that we have, right? That's really one of the biggest challenges. So what we've begun, in addition to educating what we do and how we pull it all together, I think any advisor, any business person for that, you know, on that point is really, okay, that's great, but what are the results, right? So we did an intense study for fiscal year 20 on three, it was called the Productivity Initiative. And Our statistical team looked across the firm and we said, okay, when it comes to organic growth, which as you know, is really, really important, look at net new assets, look at revenue per relationship, and look at what has created the new new client relationships. There was three to five products or services within Raymond James. And in all three instances, our wealth case consulting was in the top three or five resulting. So we're spreading those stats that are can't be questioned, really. It was really intense statistical study to point out that there are results in this too. And it is a change. It's a change. I've talked to a lot of advisors you know, about case consulting and longevity planning. And they'll say, Frank, my clients love me. They're never going to go anywhere. And they'll love you till they don't. Sometimes when I'm in a Philadelphia wise guy mood, I say, well, you know how many people went to the author saying, I would never leave you? I mean, it's happened. So- <laughs> You know, I think you just need to be aware from a competitive standpoint that someone could swoop in and say, hey, is someone talking to you about banking services, lending services, trust services, doing a state trust document review for you? And if you're not doing that, it's a very, very good chance you could lose that client. So it's competitive, but also the stats that leave no doubt that uh, if you're really interested in organic growth and, and growing revenue per relationship, this is the way to do it. So Frank, this doesn't apply to you and I, but you may notice that the baby boomer is getting older and more are retiring every single day. And one of the areas that you guys have led, the, I think, led the industry around is longevity, yeah. longevity planning and, and products that help support that exercise. So talk a little bit about what you do and how you do it and maybe some of the results that you've uh, found so far. A quick background on that. I talked about 
Joe Coughlin at MITH Lab. And seven years ago, he introduced us to us the three questions that determine the future quality of your life. I think you know what these are. Maybe many listeners do, but it's the three questions we should be asking ourselves if you're a baby boomer. Who's going to change my light bulbs? How will I get an ice cream cone? And who will I have lunch with? And they all relate to who's going to maintain your home if you want to age in place. Can you do it? The ice cream cone is about freedom of transportation and who you have lunch with is about your social network. And it really resonated. Like, wow, these are earth shattering questions that we're not asking that we found clients do want to talk about. I know I want to talk about it. And back then, we said to our advisors, go out in your communities and get to know the Medicare provider and the gerontologist and the elder care attorney. And our advisors quickly said, wait a minute, Frank, that's too much. We can't do that. Most of all, we don't have the expertise and we're afraid that we'll make a bad choice. So I came back to the home office, so to speak, and I said, we should go out and find resources that are national in scope, run them through our Raymond James procurement process, which is very intense. So we can call them a vetted partner and we can co-brand with them. And that's just what we did. So our view of longevity planning, which is continuing to evolve, was if you're asking these types of questions, it doesn't have to be just those three, but what we found is that phase of but I asked these questions and clients would say, oh my God, thank you so much for helping me think about this and plan for it financially. My next question is, where do I start? Where do I go? So what we did is we developed resources in the areas of critical care diagnosis, caregiving, aging in place, safety of information, gathering of information in an organized fashion. And the first resource we started with was a Medicare partner. And we started with Medicare because you have to make a decision at 65 unless you continue to work. And sometimes now pre-65, which is becoming a really hot topic, pre-65 insurance. But we view that as a way to really differentiate yourself and also provide resources that are needed and wanted by these clients. I mean, one of the really defining moments for me was when I went to Boston to MIT and they had a uh, dementia symposium. And there was a young couple and... The husband had early stage dementia. And I remember his wife saying, like, he was fine sitting there, but, you know, it comes and goes. And one minute he could be fine in conversation. The next minute he could be walking out the door for a walk, so to speak. But what she said is the hardest part was pulling it all together and going here, there, here, there, trying to pull it all together. And that's when I said, we should really work over time to make sure our advisors are the center point advisor. So the resources I talked about, you know, for example, one is pinnacle care. You have a critical diagnosis. What do I do? You know, we're not going to be the expert. We're not going to be the one providing that advice. But if we can be the center point and point our clients to that resource, it's going to make us more valuable. And not only that, if we're aware of all these items that a client could or could not encounter in the future, it really is a big part of the financial plan. Like you have to account for this financially. So we're saying we're not only going to account for it financially, we're also going to account for it resource-wise. Here's the contingency you need to have for this. If it doesn't happen, great. That's found money. But if it does, here's the better resource that we recommend you could, you could utilize to help you figure out, can I age in place or can I not? If I can't age in place, what is the best alternative for me? Is it a continuing retirement community? Is it care at home? Is it a nursing home? Things like that. Does that make sense? Totally. So you've talked about what you have accomplished so far, which is frankly a ton. Talk about some stuff you're particularly excited about now that you're working on and also what you see happening for the future. In other words, you yeah. really put together a great program from everything I've heard and heard before and just got more detail now. 
What are you excited about now and where do you see the world going around planning and around helping people as they retire and as they go beyond? Well, yeah, for planning and longevity, they're kind of intertwined. Sure. I would say where we see the business going, and I think that you do as well, it's it's much more personal. There's much more emotional intelligence required, and there's much more empathy required. It's, you know, the term used, holistic. But when you look at some of the longevity resources we talked about, coupled with wrapping that into a plan and making sure you account for it with the resources, that's where we see it going. Like one of, and what we're doing for the future, like right now, the resources that we have, they're all one-off resources. They're not integrated anywhere yet. So the next step for us and for anybody, any other firm that's contemplating this is how do you integrate it into your service offering? How do you bundle it? So instead of talking about five different resources, it's, for example, the Raymond James post-COVID longevity planning suite of products and services, right? Obviously, I just made that up, but I think that's where we're going. How do you integrate mm-hmm. it into a more compact service offering? Because let's face it, you have to make it easier for clients and easier for advisors to utilize and implement. And the other thing, this is a, a controversial topic where I think I see it going, I'd like to see it going, is when you add a suite of longevity services, for example, you're doing more for your client than you've done before. And I know you've heard me say this, we're one of the only industries that continues to add value without increasing prices. Everybody else I do business with, when they give me something more, I pay more. <laughs> like, we're the only one. So I really think we need to be thinking about it. We are thinking about it here. If you're my client, Jack, and you and I have agreed for a certain service offering at a certain price, and I introduce a longevity suite of products that you could use in the future and add some planning functionality to that, am I doing more for you? And are you willing to pay more for that? Remains to be seen, but I think we really need to examine that. Instead of talking about fee compression, maybe there's we should be thinking about fee expansion and, and not because if we continue to add value without increasing prices, we're going to squeeze ourselves out of business. I love the notion, and I look forward to watching you fight that battle <laughs> from yeah, it's afar. It's a battle. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, we've talked to advisors. We have a number of advisors that want to go to the market and beta test a packaged offering. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to charge a heck of a lot more for it, but it is something different. Yeah. It does require more effort. Even if the home office provides it in the Raymond James model, it's still more work. And should you yep. be compensated for that? Um, time will tell. And, and worst case, it's incredible value add. Worst case. Yeah, totally, totally. You and I have spoken a fair amount about what I refer to as comprehensive advice platforms. So it seems like everyone in the industry is starting to connect the dots on all the capabilities you've just yeah. described. Not all of them, because there's a lot there. And time will tell. And it's not all going to be connected overnight. But certainly, no. we're moving toward a more coordinated set of advice offerings, shall we say. So that means technology. Talk a little bit about that. How do you see technology playing a role as we move forward? Because I'm particularly struck by, you just mentioned about, frankly, more, it's personal, it's more empathetic. In other words, you're more about what the person is feeling and their healthcare and all this other stuff that is less quantifiable, let's say. But it does seem that in order to have that more of a counseling kind of approach, you also have to have more technology to give you the time to provide that. So talk about that, if you would. Well, yeah, I mean, I can tell you that one of the things we're doing here is integrating more of the longevity resources, for example, onto client-facing, you know, our client portal. I think that's a big part of it. And I've talked to a number of my partners in the business. This is something that clients will get excited about you talking about. They don't expect you to talk about it. They're not going to ask you to talk about longevity planning, for example, or critical care 
services or aging in place services because they don't expect you to have it. So we're looking to utilize technology as a way to get the word out to clients so it's more demand driven. Like I didn't know Raymond James did this. I just saw it on the website or I saw it on my advisor website. I want to talk to you about that. And we're also looking, you know, internally to have portals, if you will, for each resource. So advisors know when clients are asking about it and expressing an interest in it and also utilizing it. Because a lot of times when we refer a client to one of these longevity resources, you know, because of PII, we don't get involved. Like we're hands off. Right. But we do right. want to know if they utilize the resource. So I think that's one of the ways I think technology can really help in getting the word out. Because it's really hard for an individual advisor verbally or in written word to get it out. Like let's use technology to advertise more and let the world know that, hey, this is something you're thinking about. We're all thinking about. We have it right here. Yeah, I guess the biggest hump to get, be gotten over is, and you've seen the statistics, our friend Steve Gresham cites it frequently, but the top issues for clients are not the top issues that advisors like to talk about. No. The top issues around it's, issues of healthcare and longevity. Yeah. Expound on that. That's a great point. It's one of the hurdles. I, I remember when we first introduced this concept let's say seven years ago, I had advisors like, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense to me. You know, our, our retort, our answer to that is, well, when you look at a financial plan and accumulating assets, it's not just about accumulating. It's what, what are you accumulating for? What is the end in mind? And getting back to where I see the future, like the future, you've heard me say this, and Steve asks me all the time, you know, the end in mind is peace of mind. And how do you define peace of mind? I put my head on the pillow at night, And I know that I financially, if anything comes my way, I'm ready. I know what resources I'm going to use. I'm insured properly. My estate plan's in good shape. It's all there. So I can put my head on the pillow at night and not worry about it. I can tell you I'm not there yet. So I don't go to sleep every night because thinking about (laughs) the things I haven't done yet. And advisors have an unbelievable opportunity to help orchestrate that for clients. And the other point, if you do that, what's the elephant in the room that we're not talking about as much as we should. It's transition of wealth. How do you engage the whole family? It's everything we've talked about today. That's how you engage the family and get the kids to realize, wow, my advisor does so much more than manage money for my parents, so to speak. I want to work with them in the future. Yeah, I have a number of friends that have retired, considering retirement. And the set of questions that come up in retirement are different than the questions while you're moving toward retirement. So issues around all the stuff that sounds like your team deals with. How do I handle RMD and the tax taxability there? And how do I, what about Roth yeah. conversion and how do I deal with that? When should I start Social Security? Yeah. And then as I have those various conversations, what is the plan? I, do I buy a second home and how do I set that up in trust for the kids and on and on? And a state plan. And, and in other words, your worldview changes when you're retired because yeah. you know you're closer to the end of the beginning and you want to make sure that you live a, a wonderful retirement. But at the yeah. same time, you could consider health care and you just add it on and on and on. And then ultimately you got to pass it on. You want to pass on, you want to live a good life and also pass on what's left over for family definitely, or charity. And I think that all comes back to one of the things that you like to say is, you know, for planning earlier, the better, but it's never too late. How do you account for all this as an advisor? What you just said is overwhelming. I think the only and best way to do it is through a financial plan because a good financial planning software is going to have functionality for everything you just said, right? I mean, how do you keep control of it? You have to do a financial plan. I almost feel, I don't know what the word is, guilty saying that, like, yeah, of course. But it's not, of course, because we still know of a lot of the advisor population that is not really utilizing financial planning software. And if they are, 
but not utilizing it to the extent that it could be used. There was a great article a few years ago called We Built It and They Didn't Come. And it was an article about really sophisticated financial planning software that if it's, you know, 10 stories deep, advisors were only using the first two stories, right? So, but that's where it all begins. I think when you think about being overwhelmed, get that plan in order. I know that's what I'm doing now. I mean, because my wife's always asking me, you know, what about where are we going to live? And can we buy this home right now? And, you know, you don't want to have to go to work to answer that question. You want to know like, if an opportunity <laughs> arises or if an illness arises, you can take advantage of it. This is great, Frank. This is, uh, as always, I enjoyed speaking with you as we uh, look to wrap up. What are uh, three key takeaways we should leave with our audience uh, from our discussion today? Well, I think that the first takeaway I just said, right, financial plan is the key. You have to have it. There's no doubt about it. And if you don't, someone will offer it, offer it to your client with contingencies for longevity and everything we talked about. And I would say really focus on the longevity topics we talked about, Medicare, obviously, critical care, where will you live, who will take care of you, caregiving. If I had to identify the number one issue in longevity, it's caregiving. Going through it right now with my in-laws, intense. And there's two things that will do. It will differentiate you and it will help you immensely when the transition of wealth conversation comes up because you're getting the whole family naturally involved. And last but not least, and this is something you've heard me say recently, and I'm going to stay on topic on this for a while, is empathy. I call empathy, that's the one trait that clients want from FAs the most, but you'd never see it. Here's my service offering, Jack Sherry Wealth Management. We provide empathy. Like You're not going to come out and say that, but when you provide it, clients relate, and the best way is to tell your own personal stories. I always I think about my own life and, and some of the tragedies that I've had, loss of parents. And I know you and everybody else can think about it. You think about the most meaningful conversations and the ones you remember. Yes, yes. It's the ones where they provided the most empathy and put yourself in their shoes and you knew they were relating to you. As advisors, we can do that because guess what? Most advisors are boomers. We're all in the same shoes. We have the same issues. Share your stories, connect, and, and go yeah. to work. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I, I built a career on it. But that's for another day. So, Frank, I appreciate all that. As we do each week when we bring our session to a close, could you tell us something interesting or unique you do outside of work that people may who may not know you would find interesting or surprising? I actually have two things. There's one thing that I do that I didn't think it was unique until I started telling people that I do it. I get up at 4.30, not every day because it's hard to do every day, but three to five days a week, five's a miracle. And I swim with the master swim team in St. Petersburg. They have an unbelievable okay. outdoor facility. We swim anywhere from 2,500 to 3,500 yards a morning with structured workouts. And there's world-class swimmers in the pool. Like that. I, I don't swim in their group, I can tell you that. <laughs> I swam a couple of years in high school. But I mean, it's a great way to start the day. It's outside year-round. And you're just exposed to you know some great former world-class athletes. And getting up at 4.30 is challenging. The beauty of that is I'm home by 7.00. And it still gives me time to take a nap before I go to work. That's great. Good for you. That is great. My other official duty is I'm president of an organization called the Radner Has-Beens, which is a group of ex-athletes and football players from my high school that congregate for a banquet every year. And somehow they said, Frank, you are the number one has-been. You can be the best. <laughs> So that's That's a fun event every year. And anybody who has tradition like that, keep going. It's so much fun as years progress. That's great. (laughs) The Radner husband. 
in charge. Uh, so, <laughs> Frank, thank This has been a, a fun discussion. Great to get caught up as always. Learned a bunch. To our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, or share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Frank McAleer, thanks so much for our time. It's been a real pleasure. Look forward to the next time. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. See you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.